When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome everyone to Rock M Nation podcast. This is a brand new episode of Dive Cuts. Uh, we're on season six, episode 11, and here to talk all about your Missouri Tigers and their basketball program, the top 40 basketball program in Ken Palm. Uh, I am your host, Sam Snelling, um, and we, 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 we've got a switch up with the co-host instead of uh, our normal uh, co-host, Matthew J. Harris. Uh, it is the other Matt, Matthew Watkins, uh, at Datamazoo on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow. Uh, other Matt. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, the backup quarterback's getting some run tonight. Yeah, we uh, we, we basically we we lost uh, we lost other Matt to the uh, the transfer portal. He's he's in Columbia, Missouri, right now. I think uh, helping his dad get over some hip surgery and uh, did not have audio recording equipment. Um, not very good planning on his part, but it's it's actually good because I did want to kind of get you on uh, here. You know, I think kind of I was thinking late November, early December to sort of switch it up because as we were kind of making our way through uh, seven early games against not the best opponents, uh, we were very likely going to win all those games. It was basically a matter of how much you're going to win by. Uh, how good you were going to look doing it, um, how you were playing during those games. But they did, in fact, uh, win all seven games. The most recent two were Coastal Carolina, um, which we recorded right before that game. Uh, And then Houston Christian, uh, formerly Houston Baptist uh, University, uh, took an ass whipping. so let's start off with what I think we both agree was the more impressive performance because I, I really kind of thought that Missouri was going to get, uh, you know, more of a challenge from Coastal Carolina, and they just absolutely did not. Um, what was the, like, if you had to boil it all down to, like, one big takeaway from from that performance, what would it be? Oh, for me, it was definitely the defensive end. Um, Coastal had was probably the best. I don't want to say the best because we're, we're talking about a varying degree here of mediocre to below par um, teams. But as far as their offense goes, they were probably the best offensive unit Mizzou was facing. And, you know, 
it was a concern early on with uh, with the games against Penn and uh, Southern Indiana. A lot of open jump shooters, a lot of uncontested shots at the rim. Um, you know, Mizzou's playing an up-tempo style of defense, and those things happen, but the volume, the, the frequency in which they were happening was a little concerning. And Coastal was a team that if you gave them those opportunities, they could make a game out of it, you know, and kind of how those first two games came down the stretch where you're having to make free throws to salt it away. <clears throat> you know, I was definitely thought that that could be on the table. What with Thanksgiving the next day, the holiday break, everything, but you know what? It was the exact opposite. Uh, Mizzou came out and just absolutely dominated that game on both ends of the court, but especially defensively. And I hadn't seen that out of them yet. And I believe I may have remarked on Twitter, if not just between us, that, um, you know, if Mizzou defends like that, that that was a top 50 type defensive performance. And my goal prior to the season was top 100, which, you know, obviously top 50 is better than top 100. If you're getting that type of defensive performance out of this group with the way that they can get up and down the floor and put the ball in the basket, you're kind of changing the equation of what we're talking about. So it kind of remains to be seen as to whether that was a one-off performance or whether that's something that they're building into. And if it's if it's the latter, then that's a development for sure. So that would be my big takeaway from that game. Yeah, so Missouri's offense so far um, currently ranks 16th in adjusted efficiency. Uh, that's good for basically 1.12 points per possession. Uh, defense. Uh, is 90th, um, which isn't great. But I think, you know, one of the things that, uh, that you know, Harris did was he kind of went back and tried to remove some garbage time. Um, because Mizzou's been playing a lot in garbage time now for the last five games. Um, and one thing that, like, Ken Palm doesn't do is factor in garbage time. And certainly, um, I can't, what was it? The Edwardsville game that, like the sec, that not even the second unit, but like the you know the the final unit completely let the rope slip, and and SIU he kind of made a run there at the sure. end to kind of close close you know a much bigger gap. Um, you know, I guess you know part of the good news is uh, you know against Coastal is even though like the the score was ballooning. Um, or the lead was ballooning. The you know the 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 backups were kind of coming in and still defending, and also you know give a little credit to to Cliff Ellis, like he didn't have his starters on the floor trying to you know narrow the margin. He you know he was pulling and getting uh you know some of his his backups and backups to backups some uh some some runtime on the Missouri Arena court. So I think you know like kind of having that factor in um might have helped some but you know it is one of those things where if we're looking at you know overall the first uh the the first seven games like we've figured out that mizzou can score the ball um we figured out that they're going to play with you know really good pace they're going to get uh shots early they're going to take the ball away um the big thing is going to be whether or not they can rebound and i and i think like Against Coastal, uh, you know they 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 still I think they still lost that rebound battle, 
Um, but it was they they weren't decimated on the boards. And I think like so much of the season is going to come down to like that question is like you're going to get extra possessions because you value the ball and you take the ball away. Uh, can you not get pantsed on the glass? And right. if you can do that, then like this is a team that you know by all accounts really should be uh, you know in competition for an NCAA bid. Yeah, I think that's right. And you you hit on the big thing. And I was actually just digging into the Wichita State information that will be coming later this week, at least in my piece, um, after the fact. But I was looking into some of their strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, they they hit the offensive glass well. And Mizzou doesn't hit the defensive glass well. And that's that's definitely a, a, a point that we're going to have to watch for when that game comes around. Um, but on the same token, Mizzou is elite at taking the ball away and Wichita State's not terrible at protecting the ball, but not great. Um, you know, so it, it's a matter of give and take. You're obviously going to give up some points on the offensive glass, but can you generate more points off of live ball turnovers, you know, and whoever wins that give and take is going to win the game. I feel um, there's obviously a host of other reasons that we can look at, um, but that's, that's a big one. You know, if one team dominates and holds their own in the other category, that team has a decisive advantage. Um, and I think that's kind of going to be the case for Mizzou all year. Um, you know, they're they're not a big team the way they play, but we've seen at Mizzou, you don't need to be a big team to win ba- basketball games. Some of our some of Mizzou's best teams weren't overly large, um, going back to the Mike Anderson years and even to the early Frank Haith years. So it's just a matter of doing what you do better than what you don't do poorly. Um, you know, it's, it's all, it's all comes out in the wash. It's, it's a matter of possessions. It's a matter of points. And can you do what you do better than what you do poorly? Um, you know, and it's just that that's kind of how I look at that. So I, I would agree with that, that uh, the the defensive glass is a problem, but to their credit, um, they have been pretty solid on the offensive glass, which helps you generate extra possessions that way too. So, um, you know, they're all factors. Yeah. I, I think like every team out there would love, you know, like a, you know, a, a big man in the middle who cleans the glass and, you know, can score on the block and is good defensively and, uh, protects the rim, um, but you know there aren't a lot of those guys out there. Um, you know there are a lot of tall guys. Uh, Missouri doesn't have many of them. Um, you know, but I think what you what you have to do, and what I've I've liked so far about sort of like the the Dennis Gates experience, uh, is is really being willing to uh, adapt and and change what he's trying to do based upon his personnel. Um, as he gets more, I think, of the kind of recruits, uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, guys like a Jordan Butler and Trent Pierce and, um, you know, like being able to play like Aiden Shaw not at, at the five, but at the three, like, you know, what that is going to do as far as changing how he plays. Um, I don't know that it'll change much defensively and in, in like the initial, like, you know, kind of fast shot clock offense that he's been doing, um, you know, but it, it will sort of, you know, change the type of plays and the type of shots that maybe they're, you know, they're looking to get. And it, 
and he's he's also like made adjustments defensively. Uh, I think as as some of the guys are trying to um, trying to learn the system uh, and and what he wants to do, like th- there were a lot of kind of early breakdowns. You can still you know hear Gates kind of talk about that stuff in like his post game. Uh, press conferences and like when people are asking about like defense he's still talking about like you know changing the driving lanes and things like that um to sort of mitigate i think some of their uh, their issues with size um you know but they're definitely taking the personnel that they have and 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 trying to kind of build in a way and uh, you know it is one of those things where if you can capture a win at, at Wichita, you know, you hold serve against Southeast. Um, then you get a really tough stretch. Um, you know, but I don't I don't hate the matchup with Kansas. I kind of hate the matchup against Illinois. Um, but if there's a possibility that you could go into like the SEC season with just a couple losses, like you gotta be feeling pretty good um with your uh I mean, right now the strength of schedule is is bad, but to uh, put it mildly, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I think. But it, I but it's about to get a lot better. Sixtieth, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was the last I saw it was like three fifty eight, but maybe it's uh, maybe somebody's dropped. Whereas and for those of you who don't know, that's there's three hundred and sixty three teams, so it's, over, it's yeah, not overall. Strong. Yeah, three sixty one <laughs> currently. Uh, but you know, but that's like, that is up to date. That's who you've played. Um, so cool. as they play Wichita State, as they play Kansas, as they play UCF, and then Illinois, that will help a lot on those strength of schedule numbers. And I, I feel like if you can get a win at Wichita State, maybe you lose close to to Kansas at home. Uh, beat UCF and and lose to Illinois. Like I still think that that's kind of done enough to, as long you know, as long as you're competitive in the SEC side of things, like that's gonna get you in the conversation. Yeah, it's you know, it's obviously a whole resume type situation when you're talking NCAA tournament bids. But uh, as far as building early momentum and sorting out your rotations, learning what your team does well, kind of learning what they don't do well, it, it's it's a learning experience for the coaching staff and the players, um, as well as the fans and those who follow it. Um, that you're, it, it's a feeling out process, and I think it's good. And we've even seen it in the seven games that Mizzou has played exponentially better as time went on um, compared to the early outings, but. You know, the I guess the concern that I would have right now is you you alluded to it that there's a tough stretch not only to finish out the non-conference schedule, but when you jump into conference play, you are diving in head first with games against Kentucky and on the road at Arkansas as your first two games. So not only do you have the mostly road appearance at Central Florida, I think it's a technically a neutral site game. But the road game with Wichita, home at Kansas, or home against Kansas, and then Illinois and St. Louis, then you roll right into Kentucky and Arkansas. I mean, that's that's a really, really tough stretch of basketball. And you obviously want to pile up some wins for a resume 
in that process. But the same thing that I'll be kind of watching is what I saw earlier in the year is how does the team react to a loss? How does the team react to two losses in a row? Uh, you know, what does that do to your team's momentum? Uh, do things start falling apart at the seams? Do they improve over time? You know, it, it's it's just an unknown until you throw a team into that. Uh, so it's it's a very interesting stretch how you go from one of the worst schedules in the country to probably the toughest stretch of any team in the country from the beginning of December, or I guess technically November 29th to the start of January. So it's, it's a complete night and day situation. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of like, okay, it's, it's easy to maybe bounce back from watching Trevor Lakes hit a couple threes in a row, but how do you handle uh, Terrence Shannon? you know, hitting a couple threes in a row. Um, you know, how, how do you react to, uh, you know, Kentucky going on an 8-0 run? Um, you know, and, and another thing right. that, you know, like the, the schedule gods really did Missouri no favors with the Kentucky timing, you know, is basically the middle of the week in between uh, Christmas and New Year's. Like nobody's going to be on campus. The building should still be pretty full, um, but it's going to be like you know a lot of older, more local uh, fans who probably aren't going to be as loud and and rowdy as having like a full student section. Um, you know, so like yeah, like how are you reacting? Um. I think one of the things that we were, and and I'd say by we had I mean kind of the three of us, you, me, and the other Matt. Um, I think we kind of thought that Missouri was going to be all right in a lot of those situations because they did sort of have a guy who was capable of ending runs, uh, and that's that's Isaiah Mosley. However, and I think maybe this will be a good opportunity to kind of pivot into some some slight kind of player evals. Um, you know, Mosley hasn't really been the guy that we we thought we were going to see. Uh, his acclimation has sort of um, been a little slower. Um, he played sparingly in the opener, did not play in the second game, did not play a whole lot in the uh, in the third game. Um. But it really wasn't until the Mississippi Valley State game when really Missouri was not playing great offensively in that game. And, you know, Mosley kind of just got a heater and, and took care of it. Uh, he played really well against um, Coastal Carolina. Um, you know, but again, like against Houston Christian, and maybe this is sort of just, you know, part of what he's going to do against like lower level opponents. He's just sort of back off maybe. Um, but what, what sort of impressions have you had from a guy who I think we thought was going to kind of come in and be a little bit more of an alpha scorer? Um, that's a good question. Uh, as far as the early season surprises, um, his playing time or usage would be up there. Um, you know, there we've seen flashes of what what we expected, and I don't remember specifically which game it was when he had, what, 18 points and a half and just took the game over. I, I don't know if that was Mississippi Valley or um, the game prior, but, you know, it, it's there. 
the the skill set is still there. I don't think that's the question. I think what's interesting to me is it seems like the coaching staff is trying to impart on the team that that is not going to be the focus of who they are, their identity. It's not going to be a um, Isaiah Mosley show with a supporting cast of characters. And, you know, whether that works out or not, I don't know. I, I think in theory, it's a good plan um, to get other guys good time right now to get their feet wet, to get them used to one another. So other players are able to step up, but when it gets to, we'll just say this next month, I'll be interested to see how that changes, whether it's still going to be Isaiah Mosley, the distributor off the bench that puts up five shots a game, or if that morphs into more of what we knew him to be at Missouri state, Um, because what you say is correct, that he has a skill set that um, no one else on the team has, and that's no slight to his teammates. He has a skill set that not many people in college basketball have. Um, he can simply score and score efficiently. Um, but one thing we have noticed is there's definitely been a push to get him to be a little bit more of a passer, which I think is a good thing, um, because you can tell that no matter when he comes in the game, or what the situation is, when he puts the ball on the floor, the defense is at full attention. I mean, there's this concept that we, that NBA data analysts use, or scouts even for that matter use, and that's gravity. Um, And how much gravitational pull does a player have when he's on the floor? And Mosley's is high. I mean, he has the defense's full attention and for good reason. So when that happens, you can either try to score in that manner or you can distribute to the open players, your open teammates. Um, And I think that's kind of what we're seeing, or at least what I'm hoping we're seeing early on is that they're trying to get everyone on the same page as realizing that and kind of working through that. Um, Because I I have no doubt that if um, Coach Gates really wanted to maximize Mosley's early season potential, he could have went out and scored 30 points against any of these opponents and could have done it with relative ease, but that's not what happened. Um, and I, I think for me, from at least my standpoint is what do you really learn if that's what you're doing? Um, we already know that Mosley's a talented scorer. What does that do to benefit the rest of his teammates? Um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of a work in progress. It's an unknown. The, the chapter isn't finished on that one. Um, so we'll, we'll begin to see that tomorrow night, or I guess whenever the listeners are listening to this, the Wichita State game. That might be our first glimpse into whether, how, how that whole thing is going to shake out, I guess. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I mean, he's one of a handful of guys who have um, eclipsed the 20-point mark so far this season. Um, DeAndre Golston is the most recent uh, after after lighting up uh, Houston Christian. I think I've been pretty critical of uh, Golston's sort of usage so far. I think uh, I think when we sort of were previewing the season, we were kind of hoping that he would maybe take on more of kind of like a spot up role, defensive three and D. Um, he had shown decent numbers of doing that in his career at, at Milwaukee. And if he were able to sort of uh, 
build out that role, um, that he would be a very useful piece because I do think he's a he's a sound defender and he's got good size in the position and maybe he, he plays hard and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, do you want him sort of handling those you know drive to the rack kind of possessions? And so far, like he has maybe been a little bit high in that area. Um, but I think like one of the things that I liked about his most recent offensive, uh, offensive game, not possession, um, was that he, he essentially was way more, um, I guess he was just taking better shots. Like he, he wasn't driving much to the rim. He was, he was doing catch and shoots. He was getting, uh, buckets on fast breaks. He was, you know, getting a couple shots. I believe he had a couple buckets on on cuts. Like that's the kind of role that we want to see him and and like what he needs to be taking. It's basically like what Demoy Hodge already does. Like, you know, Demoy Hodge is not a guy who's out there trying to create offense. He let the, lets the offense come to him, and it seems to do so often. Um, you know, but but having so many different guys who can sort of go off at any given moment. Um, I believe it's Mosley, Golston, Hodge, Brown, Carter have all gone for, for 20 so far. Is that right? That sounds right. Yeah. I, I don't have, excuse me. I don't have the numbers in front of me here, but that I know there's, I believe five that have done it this year. Yeah. Nick Honor, um, has not. Oh, no, he did have, no, that's a percentage of points. Sorry. He had 16 as his season high against Penn. He was great um, that game, by the way. He was great. Uh, he's been great all, all season long. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, kind of going off on, like, the, I, you know, how these guys are sort of playing together. I mean, are, is there any one guy in particular uh, that sort of stood out to you that you're, you've been excited to watch? Like, you get excited to Mizzou game is starting. Maybe they're going to beat the pants off this team, but at least I get to see how this kid's going to play. Does Ben Sternberg count? <laughs> that usually means good things. Sure, sure. Uh... He has hit arguably the most exciting shot of the year. Um, but no, I I don't know if I have one that I would say that. Um, you know, it when I've been watching these games, I've been it's kind of been a whole picture type situation. But if there's one guy I think that's really just excelled in what he does well and nothing more, nothing less, but has just been absolutely perfect at what he does, that's got to be Demoy Hodge. I mean, when we were previewing him, we were talking back and forth and it's like, he's great defensively. He gets out and runs and transition. He hits spot up threes and he attacks the rim. That's all he does. And that's all he's done. And he's scored what a hundred points over about the last four games. Um, you know, it's, he's been really impressive in finding his role <clears throat> and not going beyond it into bad efficiency territory, but still maximizing what he does and doing it well. So I would say he's probably been the most impressive in that regard. And that's no knock on the others. It's just that, I've been impressed with that. Yeah, so Demoy Hodge has an <clears throat> absolutely absurd uh 139.2 offensive rating so far. Uh what's interesting 
is Missouri has five guys that are in the, what, top 60. So Noah Carter at 133.9 is 62nd in the country. Uh, Kobe Brown at 137.5 is 47th. Demoy Hodge, 139.2 is 37th. Uh, Trey Gamillion, uh, 142.5. Good for 24th. Um, you know, Trey is a really impressive about kind of knowing what he has to do. And he is more than willing to pass up open shots, um, which probably helps. <laughs> uh, keeps that usage rate down. Uh, also keeps your, uh, your, your shooting numbers up. Uh, but then, you know, Nick Honor is at 147.5, good for 13th in the country. Uh, so while I don't necessarily think these are, you know, going to be where these guys are going to finish the season, uh, it's certainly uh, emboldened, um, you know, the the fan base to sort of see how efficient these guys can be against bad opponents. Yeah, they've they've really done a good job offensively, and I I don't mean to take anything away from them here, but it's simply an observation. I think a lot of that is owed to their ability to get out and transition and run and get easy baskets in that manner. And a lot of that's due to their defense and generating turnovers. Um, you know, I, and not turning the ball over. Exactly. I don't know that I, let me pull something up here. Well, while you're pulling that up, um, I'll just sort of mark like the guys that are, that are lagging behind, you know, Isaiah Mosley is at 101.1. He has a 27% uh, turnover rate. Aiden Shaw is at 120.7, uh, 20.6 turnover rate. Um, Sean East at 109.6. Uh, his turnover rate is 23.6. Uh, and DeAndre Golston at 103.6 at a turnover rate of 19.9. So, like, w- why I think that's important is that, like, that gives you an idea of, you know, like, if Mosley, Golston, East, and Shaw are able to cut down on their turnovers uh, in the, the same way that, uh, you know, that Hodge, Brown, Carter, Honor, and Gamillion have. Um, but that, that's only going to help their overall offensive rating. All right, so I've got it here. This is what I was looking for. In the last two games, um, in terms of transition points that were scored at the rim that were not defended. So in other words uncontested layups and dunks um, in transition. Mizzou is 18 of 19 um, over two games. That's 36 points um, that are effectively layup line points. Um, So that's going to boost your offensive rating. (laughs) Um, You know, that last year that may have taken 10, 15 games to get to that type of number. Um, And it happened in two um, this year. So, Again, not taking anything away from the offense, but I think it's that's good that we're seeing that from the defense. Those numbers have went way up from the first few games, um, that they're being able to generate steals and they just get out and run and they beat the other team down the court. And there is no better possession in basketball defensively than a live ball turnover that turns into an easy layup on the other end. That is the gold standard. Yeah, so even last game, Missouri shot 76.2% from uh, two-point range. And they had 62 points in the paint, uh, 21 made layups and eight dunks. Um, 
to basically 29 shots right at the rim. You make 29 shots at the rim and your opponent has 25 total made shots, like the chances are you're probably going to win that game. Yep, uh, they and were I, like, 29 of 35 at the rim. That's yeah. absurd. That's 58 points that were scored point blank. Yeah, that's it's a, a way to get uh, <laughs> efficient offensively. Exactly. So uh, pivoting, looking forward a little bit now that we've um, that we've reviewed uh, over the next week, uh, Wichita State. Um, so we're recording this Monday, November twenty eighth, uh, Tuesday, November 29th. So quite possibly by the time you're listening to this, Mizzou will have already played against Wichita State. Uh, and then they play again on Sunday. So Tuesday, um, nothing until Sunday. I believe uh, all next week is like finals week. And then they get um, Kansas on December 10th. Um, another week off, they get UCF at UCF. Uh, they get like three quarters of a week off. And they get Illinois and St. Louis. And then, you know, another week off basically in Kentucky at home. Um so looking at Wichita State, we we talked about them um you know briefly here. Uh this is not the same sort of program that Greg Marshall was running, even though like things um had kind of been trending down a little bit uh for Marshall like the last couple of years. Um I think once uh Oh, drawn Van Fleet and uh, Ron Baker. Uh, once those guys kind of moved on, um, you know, they he had like a a good program there for a while, but like they just weren't quite uh, as good as they were. I think who was it? Landry Shamet was there for a few right. years and and yep. sort of you know helped them um, do the last bit of the cleanup. I guess in the uh, Missouri Valley before they moved to the American, um, and then of course his falling out. Isaac Brown takes over, uh, and I, you know Isaac Brown did a good job uh, in his first year. They took a step back last year. They're a little better this year. Um, like it, it feels like it's a program that's in a little bit of turmoil here. Um, I'm really not entirely sure what to make of Wichita State. And by turmoil, I mean probably transition is a better, uh, more... Maybe flux is what term. you're looking for. What's that? Maybe flux is the term you're looking for. Yeah, like they just don't... Things don't feel settled for them. Sure. Uh, they lost a lot of players to the transfer portal this past season. Um, if you kind of look at like who was good for them... Uh, last year, Ricky Councils playing for uh, Arkansas. Tyson Etienne, I believe, went pro. Um, Morris Udesi left. Where'd he go? New Mexico. That could be uh, right. Craig I know Porter's those three players. Those three players are gone, and Porter is back. Yeah, uh, Dexter Dennis um, went. I think to he went Texas to A and M. A and M. Yeah, I believe so. And yeah, Joe. Pleasant, uh, who some folks may remember for, um, he, what, what, 
he like made a shot that helped beat Texas or made a free throw. I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, helped beat Texas in the first round of the NCAA tournament a couple years ago. Uh, sort of used that to you know give a shot to play for Wichita State. He is back at Abilene Christian <laughs> uh, <laughs> for his his super senior year. Um, gotta love that. Uh, but yeah, so Dexter Dennis is gone. Morris Desi is gone. Tyson Etienne is gone. Ricky Council is gone. Uh, this is a very new and different looking team. Kenny Poto is a former kind of four star recruit. Uh, he brought in James Rojas, who you know did a little bit of uh playing uh at Alabama. Um, not super useful, but but did a little bit. Um, Jaquan Walton is a name that you know some Mizzou fans may remember if you uh like followed recruiting pretty closely a few years ago. Uh, you know, he was sort of a top 150 level, you know, big combo guard type uh, that, that Conza Martin was in on. Uh, he ended up going to Georgia, uh, where he transferred out, played junior college, and ended up at Wichita State. Um, but they seem to be running a lot of their offense through Craig Porter, who, I mean, it is a, is a fine player, but was basically like a kind of a backup guy uh as a junior um and here he is like running that much like is is this is Wichita State are they good well um we're gonna find out soon enough um at least in a limited little limited sample but uh you know I think their offense is it's struggling early in the year um I I had been looking over some of their numbers today and they they just they've really struggled shooting the ball most of their offense flows through ball screen either attacking the rim out of the ball screen or pull up jumpers uh, they they work their role man a little bit and then they usually try and spread it out from there um, it's at least from what I was seeing is not a real dynamic offense but that doesn't mean it can't be effective they they do they do attack the rim and they attack the offensive glass. Um, that's how they're going to get a lot of their points. They really don't try and run much. Um, I think they were shooting 26% as a team from three-point range. And three of the players were 23 of 58, which is pretty good. And the rest of them were nine of 60, something like that. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, it's shooting. like, <laughs> right. It's, it's like, Obviously, we're talking. I, I believe they played six games, so that's uh, that doesn't tell you the whole story. Um, <clears throat> but it's a team that if they start going off from three point range, you might be in trouble. Um, but it's a team that is going to beat you defensively. Um, they have been very good on the defensive end. They do a really good job of protecting the rim. They're really tough in the half court. They. Interestingly, I did not recall them doing this in years past, but they flex a fair amount of time between man and zone this year with something like a quarter of their half-court defensive possessions coming with a zone, which um, for a Mizzou team that's um, relatively inexperienced with one another, um, going on the road and seeing a fair amount of zone may may be an issue. Um, you know, that's something we'll have to see now if Mizzou comes out and is burning the nets down from outside, the zone will go away. But there have been times where Mizzou struggled in the half court against the zone this year. Other times they've shot it really well. 
Um, but really, um, it's going to be a it's going to be a battle of styles. If Mizzou can get out and run, create turnovers, not get killed on the glass, things are going to look pretty well for them. Whereas if it turns into a slugfest, which for any of you who watched the Mizzou Wichita game last year, um, was the very definition of a slugfest. It was Holyfield Tyson in their prime. Um, ears were bitten off, limbs were cast aside. I mean, it was it was one of the harder games I've ever seen uh, to watch <laughs> for, for either team to score. Like it, it was, was, it was it brutal. Was brutal. Like, <laughs> it basically came down to Wichita State had Tyson Etienne, who was capable of making shots, um, and would occasionally do that. Um, well, one uh, one area that you've been kind of tracking, um, almost jokingly, I assume. Um, this also may come down to like who has the worst free throw defense. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you were paying attention to to Wichita State's Kempom profile, but they they are currently three hundred and fiftieth in the country at seventy nine point four percent or what they're giving up at the free throw line. Uh, Missouri is a little bit worse. Uh, they're three hundred fifty ninth at eighty one point nine. Shoot, almost eighty-two percent. So basically, eighty percent for Wichita, eighty-two percent for Missouri. Uh, it seems like we'll probably see a lot of made free throws. How uh, how does <laughs> Wichita State shoot the ball from the free throw line? Just curious. Uh, offensively, their uh, free throw shooting is it's decent, seventy-two point one for one thirty-six. That's that's pretty average. And Mizzou is above average, not elite, but above average, if I recall correctly. Uh, yeah, Missouri is uh 29th. But okay, also, well, that's borderline elite. Yeah, they, they don't shoot many free throws. Um, that's a problem. Let's see, they're uh, oh, so Kempom doesn't have free throw rate. Ah, free throw attempt, uh, yeah. field goal attempt. Yeah, they're 341st. There it is. That's right, because it's in four factories. Right. Um, so 341st, uh, it doesn't look like Wichita State gets to the line um, a whole lot either. Um, I mean, they're 200th. So, so we're going to see two teams shoot 10 for 10, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> Oh wow! Like, and their defense. Uh, well, this is a perfect matchup for Missouri. Their defense is is twelfth um, in free throw attempt to field goal attempt. So, eighteen point seven percent is is not a lot of free throws attempted. Uh, yeah, this is really going to be an interesting game stylistically. Uh, you know, Missouri is just not a team that, even though they get a lot of attempts at the rim, they uh, they don't, um, you know, convert those into free throws, probably because they're, you know, streaking in front of the pack. Well, uh, as I had mentioned, 18 of 19 were wide open. There was no attempt at a foul on those on those plays because no one was around them, which yeah, is both yeah. good and bad, you know, give and take. So any uh, any keys on what you think Missouri kind of like 
things that we think Mizzou might need to hit in order to to win this game? Well, it's interesting you uh, you say that. That's going to be included in our um, in our post game write up. But yeah, there's there's a few things. Obviously, the uh, the pace of play is going to be big. If it's a half court game where both teams are having to execute in the half in the half court, um, Wichita State has proven that they can defend in that manner. I don't know that they've proven they can score in it, but defending is half the battle. Um, <clears throat> whereas I think if Mizzou gets into a track meet, that definitely favors them, um, both in terms of depth and in talent in the open court. Um, I definitely think as part of Part of that will be the ability to force turnovers. Um, if Mizzou's able to, you know, crack that 20% magic threshold of defensive turnover rate, meaning one out of every five opponent possessions ends in a turnover, um, that will definitely be to their benefit. If it falls below that, um, you know, we'll see. It, they can win without it being that high, but uh, that's been a major, major reason why they've been um, successful defensively and offensively so far. Um, and then of course the, uh, the offensive rebounding for Wichita state, how much, how bad is it for Mizzou? Um, they're, they're going to win the offensive, the battle of the offensive boards, but if it's, you know, they win it by five and they get three extra buckets on that, you can live with that. If we're talking 10, 15 extra possessions, then, that's going to be really hard to overcome. Um, and as if you've still got their Ken Pomeroy page up, you'll see that uh, they're pretty good at offensive rebounding as well. Well, they've got good size. Um, and they do have good size. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, Kenny Poto is like a seven footer. Um, they have kind of been playing, uh, I think, Isaiah Porbear Chandler. Um, <laughs> He is back. He is back. Yeah, he he is back. Uh, another uh, another you can always go home again type uh, guy who played three years at Wichita State. Went played at Nebraska Omaha last year. Uh, I believe that's and then correct. Came yeah. back to Wichita State. Um, Quincy Ballard uh, transferred in from uh, Florida State. Florida State. Uh, mm-hmm. He's seven foot two fifty. Um. He has not played the last few games. I don't know if he's hurt or not. Uh, but yeah, so then they've got, you know, Walton who plays uh, quite a bit. Looks like, you know, Porter is playing the bulk of the minutes. Xavier Bell, uh, who I believe transferred in from Drexel. Um, so the he Dragons, is, uh, correct? <laughs> Am I right on that? Yeah, there, I, I think there's some kind of dragon. I don't know if they're just the Dragons or if. They are, yeah, just the dragons. They're the Drexel dragons. The Drexel dragons. (laughs) Um, So he's been playing most of the minutes at the two. Uh, Jason Pierre uh, plays a little bit at the the two and the three. Uh, He's transfers from Southern Miss. Um, Jaquan Walton, James Rojas. Uh, So they've got, they've got, better size than Missouri does. Um, if you can find a way to isolate Poto on the glass, I feel like you can do enough elsewhere. And, and Missouri did have success. So this is, I, I guess, where you kind of get a little hopeful. You know, Coastal Carolina came in with a lot of size. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, and, and I think we were concerned about uh, SM Mustafa, um, you know, who had an offensive rebound rate in like top 10 and defensive rebound rate uh, top, you know, 50 or 60 or something like that. Uh, but just a really big time rebounder. And Missouri was able to sort of make him a non-factor. Um, they're going to have to do the same thing. Um, because, you know, that like, I think what you're talking about is you're talking about a, a guy and, and, you know, Kenny Poto, who um, is a little bit leaner um, and not quite as good of an overall rebounder, but he's got, he's got really elite size, good timing defensively. Uh, and can make life difficult for Missouri. They have a good rim defense. They are they're tough to score on at the rack, at least when they are contested shots. So that that will be how are you getting those rim attempts? Is it streaking down the floor after a live ball turnover or are you trying to go against a set defense with a help side defender rotating over and making life difficult? You know, not all rim attempts are created equal. So how will how will Mizzou do that? And we're going to find out. We are going to find out tomorrow night. Uh, maybe by the time you're listening to this. So we probably shouldn't spend too much time <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> uh, turning the page to see. Uh, yeah. Simo. Um, Philip Russell still down there. Um, he's a former Vashon kid. Kobe Clark transferred in another Vashon kid um, after a couple of years in, at Georgetown. Um, Southeast Missouri State has just always been for me like one of these programs who uh it's a really tough job. Um it's it's tough to get talent to Cape Girardeau. Um it's tough to keep talent in Cape Girardeau. Uh but Brad Korn overall has done a pretty good job. Um so Brad Korn is a former uh, Kansas State assistant. If I remember correctly, he played at uh, SIU Carbondale. Um, and uh, they were 11 and 16 his first year, 14 and 18 last year. They're 5 and 2 so far this year. Uh, and this is still a game that Missouri should probably win by 15 points. Um, but, you know, like Brad Corns made them tougher i think that's a that's a positive thing um i think it's good for uh you know good for the state of missouri if, if even the mid-majors are more competitive so um and that i think then you can bring them into mizzou arena and beat them and if you don't beat them by a lot it actually doesn't look so bad on you um as long as you beat them right um yeah always be leery of schools coming into Mizzou arena that uh, have Missouri in their name and aren't wearing black and gold. <laughs> Beware. <laughs> Unless, although uh, it, one of the, the directional D2 schools is black and gold, right? Um, um, Missouri Western, I think might be. Yeah. Yeah. Missouri Western. I think I, they're the golden Griffins. If I remember correctly, I think you're right. Uh, I don't <laughs> believe we've played them in a regular season game. So yeah, yeah. I, I would recommend um, us staying that way. Um, beware. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so r realistically, we'll find out if Missouri is going to be walking into that game against Kansas uh, at nine and zero. If they are uh, nine and zero, um, getting ready to play Kansas, that is probably a a toss up game. 
uh, according to Vegas, because if Missouri goes on the road and beats Wichita State, um, they will probably have to do so beating projections. Right now, Ken Palm has them winning 72-70. Um, if the score ends up 72-70, Missouri will stay at 37th. Um, but Southeast Missouri State's a little better than they've been in recent years. They're 260 in Kempom. Uh, so that's really, I think, what you're trying to do is get two more wins, go in 9-0, and uh, have a pick em against Kansas, maybe try to pull out that, that game. That would be a huge win for uh, the non-conference. Obviously, it's Kansas, so uh, you know there's a lot more going on there than just a big non-conference win. Um, but yeah, there's, there's still a lot to play for as we, uh, as we kind of get close to December here, um, which you couldn't say that last year. So that's progress. That's a start. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I've done a pretty good job of like, not like <laughs> completely bagging on, uh, on the, the, the team last year. Uh, cause I think a lot of people know that I'm fairly partial to the the you know martin and and all that he, he wasn't my preferred coach at the start but i think he's a better coach than he's given credit for but man uh this time last year um they were getting ready to play paul quinn at three and three after getting uh housed at home by umkc um beaten soundly by a not great florida state team uh lost to wichita state uh and then we're just days away from from getting spanked on the road at Liberty. So I'll uh I still have nightmares of that pack line defense dancing in my head. I like I <laughs> if I I watched that game once and I never want to see it again. Like it was just a horrible, horrible game to watch. It but, was bad. It was bad. But thankfully, um Amari Davis was fouled. Um, shooting a half-court shot as time expired in the first half, which enabled the Tigers to get over 10 points. Um, that was big. <laughs> that was big. I oh. specifically recall that uh, due to my cable subscription, I did not have access to ESPN+, and I took the plunge um, nearly a year ago for that game, and I've since recouped some of the value on that, but it was not a... Not an enjoyable purchase that first day. If if you're really if you're a basketball junkie, and I think you are, like you can find a lot of really great games on ESPN Plus, especially as you like as conference season kind of gets in. There's a lot of great MAC games. There's a lot of uh, great Sun Belt games. Um, and I don't mean this in the a completely derogatory way, but somewhat you can find a lot of Big Twelve games on it too. <laughs> I'm not even yeah. joking. <laughs> yeah, you that that is true. They they uh I believe the Big 12 network is a lot of ESPN plus. Um all right, so we're going to get out of here. Um any any final thoughts as we we wrap this up? Um no, I think we've I think we've covered it all. Um well, all that we're willing to talk about anyway. Um <laughs> uh, we'll we'll have a lot more I feel once we once Mizzou has faced some stiffer competition you know we we were discussing off air before we started that before the season i was i kind of hit the wall of things to talk about things to break down Um, we did the player previews you did the sec previews it's like there there was nothing left at least in my mind to really talk about and i kind of feel like we've gotten to that same point 
um, after these seven games that the Houston Christian game was kind of just the same thing over and over again um, from prior games. We, we know what they're trying to do against these teams. Um, we know that they're going to do it. We know that they're going to do it pretty well. So I'm excited to see what happens when the, uh, when the competition ramps up a notch. Exactly. Those yeah. are my final thoughts. <laughs> I, yeah. And I mean, like I said in my last study hall, like I'm, I'm tired of like, they don't get me wrong. Like, Winning is fun. I am happy they are winning. Uh, the recipe on these like last four or five wins has basically been the same. It's just a different, you know, route to get there. Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm interested to sort of see them because uh, I mean, really, it, they're being thrown into the the deep end of the pool here. Um, you know, it's the first top 100 opponent. It is on the road. Um, they have not faced anybody who is, uh, this good defensively. They have not faced, uh, you know, anybody with this kind of, uh, size and athleticism. Um, so we'll see. We'll and see what happens. they've not left Columbia either. Yeah. It, it's, I, I think this is, and this is a, a game where I, I really believe that Missouri probably should win. Uh, if they're the team that, you know, if they're the team we think that they are, um, and even if that team is just an NIT team, uh, then this is a game that they should win. It is so. 100% a game that should be competitive at worst. If it is not, then recalibration is probably <laughs> in store. Um, and that's no shot at Wichita State. They're, they're a solid program, but uh, it would probably take a outlier shooting performance for something like that to happen. And, you know, those things happen. That That's why college basketball is great. I shouldn't say that one game would make me flip all of my beliefs about this team. It wouldn't, but it would certainly be a question mark. You know, um, you've got seven games against teams they should roll. They did. They got one good game against a team that was competitive and what happened? You know, that's what we're going to find out. So I, I do yeah. believe they will and be realistically like they, they, yeah. they rolled uh, Southern Indiana until Southern Indiana just hit every shot down the stretch and, and made it tighter than it really was. But they had, they had a 20 point lead in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, people forget that people forget that. Don't forget <laughs> that. Uh, so with all that being said, uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, if you like, this podcast uh you should probably make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast feed um if you are subscribed uh, through apple Podcasts, google play store we're also on spotify uh you can get episodes before the box score beamed directly into your phone and and matt here's the interesting thing about before the box score there's a lot going on right now you would think after wrapping up the season there wouldn't be as much going on we're just kind of waiting for bowl games but the transfer portal here opens next week and once it does, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. So Missouri has already lost, uh, or they can't enter the portal yet. But uh, they have been informed of many players who are already planning on entering the portal. Um, and and Nate and BK dissect all of that down and and have it all ready for you. They'll be able to fill you in, and hopefully it's 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 not a complete bloodbath. Um, also, head over to theflagshiproclamation.com. Make sure you follow Matt Watkins at Data Mizzou on Twitter. 
Uh, you can give Matt Harris at MattJHarris85 a follow on Twitter. Uh, provided Twitter's still working. I don't know. It, it seems a little buggy for me lately. Uh, you can also follow me at Sam T. Snelling. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with another episode of this Dive Cuts uh, to talk all about this Wichita State game, how it went, and and SEMO. Um, I keep forgetting all my directional schools. Uh, okay, thanks for tuning in. Everybody.